Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 29th, 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are on page XVI, paragraph 1. Today's readers are the 12 Steps of OA, Janice B., the 12 Traditions, Diane G., and reading the text today is Chelsea H., Martha Z., and Janice M. The reference number for yesterday, which was Monday, September 28, 2015, is 8029, 8029. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, The 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our, our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice B. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. So happy to be here this morning. The 12 traditions. <clears throat> Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, <clears throat> Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XVII, paragraph 1, and I'll ask Chelsea H. to begin the study this morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. Hence the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. There were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, 
the first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. So this um, part of the text for me, actually it connects really with the paragraph before it because if um, Dr. Bob had not gone out and actually done the work, taken action on that information that he got from Bill, there would not even be this information here to put in that the um, third person came on board. And it, the idea of the strenuous work, it takes me to um, keep in mind that the spiritual life is not a theory. It has to be lived, and we have to work with others. This is what really this speaks to me to is the um, in order for the vital permanent recovery, we have to work with others and strenuously. And also another thing that I see here too is that once they got that other piece of the puzzle, um, they were able then to, when they had both pieces, because neither one was able to exist. It wasn't enough, either one alone, just knowing that you had the allergy or just knowing something was wrong with your mind. You had to have both pieces of those put together. And when that solidified, that gave them what they needed to bring the news. It gave them what they needed to carry this message. Because without it, neither one would have been able to stay sober, regardless of how many people they worked with, because one or one portion of another of the disease the illness would have taken over. So and another thing that I just say quickly is that when I uh, walked through this process, I walked through it first and did the work, and then I went back and did all this studying and getting deeper into the um, information of who the people were and the cities and the meetings and all that. Because I, I really find, find that as I continue to grow in this program, Getting through the process and then going back has been such a rich experience for me, and I'm just grateful um, for everybody on the line, and I'm grateful to be able to give service. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. Who would like to comment on paragraph one? Larry. Charles H. from Hi, New York. Larry and Charles, anyone else? Marcella. Hi, Marcella. Let's go with those three then. Good morning, Larry Cade. Good morning, Melanie C. How are you? Um, Larry Kay, okay. uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Thanks for your service, Melanie. So um, they talk about alcoholic number three. And of course, uh, this is Bill Dotson. Um, and, and he, and he uh, what's interesting is he, he uh, until his death, you know, up until 1954 or so from, from the time that he met uh, Bill and Dr. Bob at Akron City Hospital, he never had a drink again. That was 19 years um, up through his death in 1954. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't sprinkled with pixie dust, you know. <laughs> if he, I mean, the story was being sprinkled with pixie dust comes to mind for me here when I read this because I think, you know, this, didn't, this isn't fantasy. I used to wonder, you know, if this was all you know, one big fantasy until it happened to me. And then I realized that uh, it was not a fantasy. And um, what I find interesting is the mention that Bill Dotson recovered immediately, it says in there. And it raises questions for me, you know, in my mind, you know, what, what does it mean to be recovered? Because it mentions that word again, and how does this occur? And first, Bill B was desperate. 
you know, his desperation was, you know, perhaps the leverage that was required as a starting point for him. I know that was the case for me. And next, he was presented with the problem, you know, the twofold nature of our illness, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And, um, and then he was provided, perhaps for the first time in his life, with a solution. And like you and I, Bill D needed to be brought into alignment with a power greater than himself. In other words, he, he would need to, to have a spiritual transformation. And next, he would need the mechanism or the, you know, the means to bring the spirit's awakening to light. And that was, you know, of course, the steps. Um, no spiritual awakening, no recovery. Oh, I mean, you know, rest assured, there, there's countless ways to get temporary sobriety. I, I, you know, but just like Bill D, I needed, uh, I needed for the obsession of the mind to be driven out. And once God did that for me, I needed a design for living that would, would enable that obsession of mind to be, you know, to, to continue to be driven out, to stay out. And so that's what happened to me. And thank God for this, uh, for this program and thank God for these steps. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry K. Charles H. Good morning, Melanie C. Um, thank you for your continued service, Charles H. I think it's 31 days, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we're closing in. Um, Charles H., a recover visionary just for today. I want to drill down. I want to swoop down on many, many, many sales. I, I saw that. That's all. I, I, I just caught that. Cause I could identify in with failing so many times um, in this in this program. Um and you know, Bill, Bill, you know, I, I always thought before that they was talking about Fred. <laughs> you know, but that guy, I could identify being Fred, man, having some some outside stuff, and um, but just not having that, not being changed inwardly, right? And uh, and, and don't get it twisted. I can become unrecovered fast, quick, fast, in a hurry. Just just a thought, and I could be unrecovered. Um, and like Chelsea said. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it, right? Um, and, you know, maybe the motive might be selfish, but it doesn't matter. Um, I'm getting paid for it spiritually if I, if I bring this program to somebody else. My sponsor or no one else has the power to bring me recovery. I know that quick, fast, in a hurry. In, in, in the past, I used to blame myself for people relapsing. I don't have the power for I don't have the power, but I know a pro, I know a program of action that has the power. That's a hundred percent battle tested. That if you continue um, one day at a time, you will ha- have a. You know how many know if you get to the altar, you have an alteration. Ha! There'll be a, there'll be a psychic change in the mind. You know, you know, you know. I thank God to you know what? Because sometimes, sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I don't. But every day God wakes me up. With, with with the courage of daily willingness. Sometimes I'm like, yo, I don't want to get on this line again. They're going to say the same thing, but I need to hear the same thing because I got a built-in forgetter that, 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 that runs out at 12.01 a.m. So I thank God. God carries me through the night, and I get up, and I'm like, oh, vision for you, 712-432-5210-876-148-pound. Um, uh, I thank God that that's automatic today, and that's a, that's a psychic change, not not because of me, because of him and because of you guys. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Marcella M. 
morning, visionaries. Hi, Melanie. Um, my name is Marcella, and I'm a recovered composer over here. So happy to be with you guys. Um, so there's so much in this paragraph, so, so much. You know, the notion that they frantically, frantically went to work with other people. When you have something that you really desire and that is very valuable to you, there's a, a, an immediate response of like almost urgency, right? So, so yeah, I understand that frantic feeling of where is the next one? Where is the next one? We need the next one. Um, I read somewhere that um, when B.O. told Bob, uh, we're going to find another one. Let's go to the hospital to find another one. Bob told him, uh, no, 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 I'm not ready because Bob was only 16 days over. And he said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not ready. And Bill told him, neither I am, but that's what we do. There are jokes, you know, in my face-to-face meeting that when as soon as you get recovered, um, you need to just go and chase wildly for the newcomer or for the person who's desperate, desperate and ready to do the work, not because, not out of virtue or because we're so good and so generous, because out of need. And um, then um, that idea that there were many failures that's my experience. I don't. I don't even. I don't know. I, I, it's been so many people that you know approach me for sponsorship, and I say yes, and then they disappear on thinner, or or they just relapse and they just never care. Let go, whatever, right? There are many, many fears, but I've been and I've been um, recovered long enough to have them come back and say, you know what, you were one in a chain, but now I'm recovered. Now I got this. This is without exception an unmerited gift. We always get it because the higher power has mercy on it and because the process works, but it's not something that I do. It's not something that I gain um, with my own effort. It's, it's just something that was granted to me and continues to be granted to me. And um, the other thing that the third one recovered immediately, you know, when we're reading how it works when it says... Um, there is one with lack of power, that's a dilemma, but there, there's one who has all the power and that, that, that one is God, may you find him now. Now means now. Immediately means now. Immediately is not a long process. Now means now. I'm telling you without being exalted or too mystical or too corny, I know, I, God, God is the one who has found me now, right here, right now. I feel safe, protected, surrounded by all of you, and that energy that we invoke, I'm not hungry. I'm completely comfortable in my skin. I'm not afraid of the scale, food, or the mirror. I know what I'm going to eat. Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm content. It's finally enough. What I have and what I have been given, it's enough. I'm not even tormented anymore by how many sponsors are granted the same level of the same recovery, the same comfort of recovery that I want because that's God's business. My business today is to work with somebody that wants to work and to be abstinent and to live in the steps to the best of my ability. To the best of my ability. Not perfectly, to the best of my ability. And without all this. Thank you, Marcella M. Anyone else want to share on this paragraph this morning? Renata M. Renata. Okay, I have... Um, Melissa C. G. Renata. Hi, Melissa. Matt M. I got you too, Matt. Thanks so much. Jody. Okay, this is what I have. So, oh, hi, Jody. Hang on just a second. Let me echo back what I've heard so far. I have Carol G. Renata, Kim, 
Matt, Melissa, and Jody. Let's stop with that and come back to those other ones next in just a moment. Hi, Carol G. Good morning, Molly. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Carol G. Recovered. Ah, welcome to your day. It's a beautiful day, and thank you for the reading. Uh, Bill Dodson, this, this was a real signpost to recovery for me. If you haven't already seen it, it's called The Man on the Bed. Um, there's an illustration, a very beautiful painting that's been done of Bill Dodson sitting on his bed and Bill and Bob are trying to carry the message to him. And I'm a very visual person. And that image for me was so powerful because when I came into OA, the only powerful message I was looking for was the size of somebody's body. I was looking for people who got slimmer, who had a really shiny life, and that was the only thing that I was looking for. And when I was brought to see this picture of this man on the bed and how earnestly these two characters were trying to carry this message to him, I thought, there is hope, there is power, there is strength. I can see it just in the picture. It was just so wonderful. It was just an amazing thing to just see how those two people were trying to relate to this this frail person on the bed. And how many times had I said to myself, pick up my bed and walk, Carol, and I couldn't. I was I was somebody who just didn't have any legs to walk on. I didn't have any spiritual legs. And these two characters, just as it illustrates for me, brought in this message, which helped me be relieved of all this spiritual malady and really give me these spiritual legs to begin walking on. It's a wonderful picture. If you've, if you've not seen it, please look for it. The Man on the Bed, Bill Dodson, and I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Carol D. Renata G. Hi, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G. Recovered Composable Reader in New York. Um, and if one... If anyone is interested, Bill D's story is on page 182. But I want to focus on um, when the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first A group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. So, you know, uh, when... um, when Bill returned to New York, what was happening was that all these drunks, right, that were going after the solution, uh, they were uh, attending the Oxford Group's meetings, which were the the religious groups of that time. And uh, they started calling themselves the, the drunk squad of the Oxford Group. So they would be distinguished from the religious people from the from the Oxford groups because there were people that were not alcoholics. They were just going for the religion. But then the alcoholics were going there because, you know, the, the program was working, right, for others. And what that says to me is, you know, these drunks, these people, they, they were open-minded enough to embrace the spiritual solution. And, you know, when I, when I came to a way, even though I didn't have a problem with the word God or anything like that, I did not embrace the spiritual solution. I came here and I just dieted with group support. I did not want to know about any steps. I didn't think I need the steps. And so, you know, therefore I didn't need this program. What this program has to offer me is a spiritual solution. If I'm, you know, for someone like me, a real compulsive reader, right? A person 
like we just learned, like has an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind. Like I have a spiritual malady. I need a spiritual solution. If I keep trying to just, you know, work a physical program, like just be abstinent or, you know, just be religious and not, you know, really follow the, the, the program of action. You know, I know for me that didn't work. I had to have all the pieces of the puzzle together and be open-minded to a new solution, to a spiritual solution. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Hence, the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. I love that word frantic. There was a desperation about them trying to find another drunk so that they could stay sober. You know, and I, I can identify in with that word frantic. I remember in high school, I would frantically put kids to bed that I was babysitting because I needed to get alone with my binge foods. I remember frantically going from grocery store to grocery store because I needed my binge foods, but I didn't want to buy them all at one location. You know, I remember in college on a Saturday night when most kids were out drinking and having fun, frantically going from drive-thru to drive-thru and ordering food for imaginary boyfriends because I needed that food. So I understand what it means to frantically need something. And that's what I need to have in this program. You know, I personally don't remember in my disease saying, you know what, I binged yesterday. I, I'm good till Thursday. I don't need to binge today or tomorrow. I, I'm good. And that's how I feel about working with others. That's how I feel about this program. I frantically go about the solution because I understand that my life depends on it. You know, me personally, when I have a girl get to step 12 and I know that I'm, they're going to start sponsoring and I'm going to start weaning them off of me because they got a connection with the power, I get a little anxious because I know I need to find someone else. I need that. You know, right now with the Jewish holidays, I sponsor some girls that are Orthodox Jewish and I get a little anxious because I need to work with people. And God always provides someone with me who needs help and I say, you know what, I have a sponsee that can't call me because of the Jewish holiday. Why don't I schedule you in? Let's work on this chapter. Let's talk about this. Because I understand just because my sponsees can't call me that day doesn't mean that I don't have to carry the message. You know, we talk here about Dr. Bob. On the beginning of his story on page 171, it talks about him getting sober in 1935, dying in 1950, and working with 5,000 alcoholics. That's 333 alcoholics. He definitely was frantically doing that. Are we doing that? And I'm not talking about that word sponsor. I'm talking about are you returning your phone calls? Are you staying after meetings? Are you looking for the person that's suffering? Are you extending that hand, that OA promise, that, that pledge that we have is that the heart and hand of OA will be available to everyone. For that, I am responsible. And I just want to end with this because Carol mentioned the man in the bed. I have a friend that um, was recovered and she went into the hospital with, for gallbladder surgery and she had to wait a day or two. And she worked with people from her hospital bed. And one specific visual, she was reading her big book and a nurse came in who was obese and asked her questions about it. And she sat down next to her and she talked to her a half hour about programs. So it was almost the reverse. The recovered person was in the hospital bed carrying the message to the nurse. I love that visual as well. And thank you for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Matt M. 
Can you hear me, Melanie? I can. Good morning. Yes, good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Matt M., Recovering the Pulse Lover Eater just for today in New Jersey. Um, yeah, this paragraph is very powerful. It goes to the history of, of the program, you know. There's a special edition that I'm going to listen to today. It's, it's about, it's called like a lesson in A, and for OA from an AA history. Um, and that's true. That it's, it's a cliche. If we don't learn from the past, we're doing to repeat it. You know, it does say where any two compulsive overeaters or two alcoholics get together, that can, that, that, is, that can be considered an AA or an OA group, you know. Um, this, is, this was deadly earnestness that they were going about this because they didn't have the 12 steps at the time. They didn't have uh, sponsorship that we have now. We're very blessed and lucky for what we have. I think a lot of people, a lot of us take it for granted. You know, um, for me personally, I found in the rooms for five, nine years and went through 14 sponsors thinking I was going to have to find the perfect sponsor, the one who related to me and understood me. And it's not about what the sponsor looks like. It's not about what the, what, who the sponsor is. It's about what the sponsor brings. And do I, I gel, uh, gel well with the message they're giving me? It's from the big book, you know. Um, the big book is there. It's, just, it's not there for interpretation. What's in there is there. The perfect, it's the purest 12-step document out there. But having the right sponsor just means that somebody that I can trust and somebody like as a trusted as a trusted fellow, not friend, not somebody that I already know, because I think it's a bad idea for sponsor, for friends to sponsor each other. That's my personal belief because it just the, the, the friendship gets in the way. I've done that before. I've had friends who are sponsors, and I've always bucked against it. You know, um, it is very heartening sometimes. Like, I feel like I'm being used to my higher power now. I'm not recovered yet. I haven't been through the 12 steps for vision. I've been through the 12 steps before um, in other cycles in, in my in nine years. But uh, this time, I really feel like my higher power is finding people. Just, he's putting people in my life just to just popping up, you know, like shoots through the grass, like coming up to the sidewalk from flowers that are just asking me questions. I got a phone call yesterday from a gentleman. I've never met him on a phone meeting. Don't know who he was. He said, oh, yeah, I got my, somebody gave me your number. Um, they, were, they heard you on, on a meeting or something, and they said about your physical recovery that you have, and they, uh, they told me to call you. The gentleman's over, just morbidly obese. I got him very big, and I shared my story with him, and I gave him all the information for vision, and I believe he's going to join the vision for you meeting. Whether he does or not, that's not my, that's not my call. That's on, that's on him between him and his higher power, but I really believe I'm being led to pass the message, just like these two gentlemen are. They really, I need to do this to keep myself sober off the food because, man, the food does talk to me, and I know it talks to a lot of us at times. And you know what? Giving into it is just going to put me right back where I was before, nowhere, nowhere, but but down underneath the, underneath everybody else, and I'll start getting on the, the self pity pot of self deception, self self loathing, and everything else. And just for today, I choose to buck against that because I I know better, and the fact that I know better, I'd rather not go back into that bitter morass of self pity. And this is why I need to learn from my mistakes and learn from the history. Uh, pay and how to do trust step calls and how to do things properly so I don't cause any harm to anybody else while I'm doing it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Melanie. This is Melissa C. Good morning, everybody. A recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about that frantic um, search for people that we can help, people that we can be of service to. And, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of realizing that it's more than just um, the people who might approach me. You know, that's sort of been, maybe I'm complacent. Maybe I'm not reaching out enough, um, but I, you know, and only working with the people that seem to approach me. And I'm thinking about, um, you know, my mother told me a story um, the other day about a, a distant cousin of ours who, um 
lives in the city. I haven't seen her in years, but I know that she, I believe she has what I have because all my memories of her growing up, she was um, always struggling the same, you know, uh, symptoms <laughs> or, you know, the outward manifestation. She was morbidly obese. And, um, you know, and uh, my mother told me that one of the cousins had sent a car service to come and bring her to, she doesn't drive, to bring her um, in um, to celebrate the holidays with them. And I, they hadn't seen her in a while, and they didn't realize that she physically couldn't sit in the car. You know, my mother was sharing the story with me, and she said, oh, you know, what a pity. And, um, you know, and my heart is aching. You know, it really, I can feel the desperation um, that she must be feeling, you know, and um, and so I'm thinking maybe what I'm hearing this morning is that although I haven't spoken to her in many years, um, I easily could send her on Facebook and, um, you know, and just reach out and carry the message that way with the same frantic energy that I once ate with. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Jody E. Good morning. This is Jody E. in California. Thank you, Melanie, and everyone. I'm going to focus in on this one sentence. There were many failures. I tend to get discouraged sometimes, uh, both with myself and others in my local inner group, that there are indeed many failures um, in myself, again, and with people that I've worked with over the years. And I have to remember that there were many failures for the founders of AA as well, and they did not let that discourage them because they were keeping sober themselves. So if I can keep abstinent and recovered myself, I must not be discouraged by many failures. And to keep sober and recovered myself, I have to work frantically. That's what I'm hearing And I so appreciate everyone this meeting because it keeps this message fresh for me. And it brings this out of the big book, which I don't hear locally so much. I hear it here, but I must work frantically. And that's probably the piece that I've been missing all these years. I have worked fairly diligently, but not frantically. So I'm being reminded, I'm being, it's being brought out, it's being um, pressed upon me that I must work frantically. And yes, I too will eat frantically when in the food. It becomes my obsession. It becomes my primary purpose. It becomes my priority in life to find those foods, those beverages that I must have. I will spend money that I don't have. I will spend time that I don't have frantically looking for those foods that I want to eat compulsively. So if I can do that, I can also turn my attention to the solution, which is working frantically with other compulsive overeaters, anorexics, and bulimics. So thank you, everyone, on this line for for hammering this home for me this morning. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody E. Does anyone else want to share before we move on? Rick Hesson? 
Monica. Mary B. Okay, let's go with those three. That will probably be a good amount. Rakefet Z, Monica T, and Mary B. Good morning, Rakefet. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. My name is Rakefet Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater outside of Redding, California. And the spiritual life, it's not a theory. It's not a theory. It's something we have to live every day. I really like that. I really like that notion because I look at my day and if if I don't see all the spiritual things that I'm doing, all the spiritual acts that I'm doing during the day, then it's not going to be a spiritual life. I All these things I do that I never did before that are just not me doing it. I know that when I put food on a scale and weigh out four ounces of whatever it is, that is not me. Four ounces of anything. That used to be a bite for me. You know, having yogurt and fruit and oatmeal for breakfast, that's not me. My breakfast, you know, was a dozen donuts or a whole cake, and that was just the beginning. You know, that's not me doing these things. Or making an outreach call and to find out how the other person is doing, that's not me. I didn't, when I was in the food, I didn't care about anybody else in this world. All I cared about was me and knowing that I am the most miserable person there is and everyone else should feel sorry for me. No one has it worse than me. That's how I feel when I'm in the food. So all these things I do, they are spiritual. That is a spiritual way of life. It's not the big, giant things I do. It's the tiny little things I do every single day. Weigh and measure my food for three meals. Get up and take quiet time with God. And get on this meeting every every day, Monday through Friday. Those are spiritual acts for me, and I am just so grateful because I know that the more spiritual acts I do, the more spiritual I become. So all these spiritual acts of reading the big book, listening to the meeting, studying the steps, all those things add up to for me a spiritual life, and I am just so grateful. And I have to live that every single day, like Charles said. I wake up in the morning, oh, God, I don't want to get up. I don't want to get on the meeting. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. A little kid having a temper tantrum. I don't want to do this today. I don't want to do this today. And the first thing I do is ask God for the willingness and the power. Get up. Just get out of bed right this very minute. Just start your day. And it always works. God always seems to come through for me when I ask for help. So thank you for letting me share that task. Thank you, Rakefet Z. Monica T. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. in Florida, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So I get a lot of hope out of this paragraph here. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered. There's that word recovered again. We haven't gone very many pages, and, and this word just keeps popping up at me. Recovered, 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 you know, to gain again, to bring back to a normal condition, to find again, to improve in health. Uh, What hope? He recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never, never had another drink. Um, Bill has been, uh, someone else has already said, Bill Dotson was an an attorney and his story is on page 182. He was desperate. 
I was desperate when I came in here. And the um, history is, is that he had been hospitalized eight times, and this was time number nine, prior to this. And every time he got drunk, on frequently within the hour of leaving the hospital. So he's pretty darn desperate, you know. He's a broken man. I was desperate when I came into this program. Nothing was working, you know, after decades of trying to do things. Um, he recovered. This gave me a lot, a lot of hope. He never had another drink. And why was that? Here was two guys, two drunks that came in to see him, and they had something. They had a look about them. They had a story to tell. And he could relate to them, and they related to him. Wow. And what was it? They said, we've got a solution. We've got some steps here. You, you, if you take these things and work this, you can be recovered too. Thank you, God, for AA and OA. And what hope. So if you're desperate, don't give up. It's right here. It's in the solution. It's a higher power that can do for you what you can't do for yourself. And I pass with that. Thank you. Thanks, Monica T. Mary B. Hi, uh, this is Mary B. Gratefully recovered today in Central California. And thank you so much, Melanie. And thank you, everyone who has shared this morning. And I think I'm responding more to the shares that I've heard the last couple of days, but um, I recently read a quote that um, I don't even remember where I read it, but it said, the program is not working the steps. The program is taking someone through the steps. And I can only take someone through the steps if I've gone through them myself. I have a face-to-face -face meeting here uh, where I, I, we go around the room and what I hear over and over again is I'm struggling, I'm struggling. It's a literature meeting and the one book that is missing in the literature is the big book, the AA book. And uh, the first Saturday of the month, they have a speaker, and it's going to be my last Saturday here in Central California for a while, and I volunteered, and rather than speaking my story, which is long, I'm going to take, my plan is <laughs> to take my big book, this great big, big book that's so marked up I can hardly read it anymore. And I'm going to go through the doctor's opinion. Now, I only have 20 minutes. I don't have an hour. But uh, I'm going to relate as much of it as I can to my story. And um, that's my plan. Chelsea did such a great job with more about alcoholism Sunday. And I debated between those two chapters, but I don't have much time, and I, I'm going to go through the doctor's opinion. And um, anyway, hope to introduce the group to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's all I can do. And um, I thank you very much, and I thank my higher power for my recovery today. 
I thank pass. you, Mary B. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Mary B. Now we'll move on. Martha Z, would you please read the second paragraph on page XVII? Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your willing service. Good morning, friends in recovery. My name is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. A second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland. Besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic ideas in Akron or New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. I was I was doing a little bit of reading about the first part of this, and uh, it said, Many were called, but mighty few chosen. Failure was our constant companion. By September of 1935, two or three had linked themselves to us for good. And I, I really wanted to talk about the last part of the paragraph where it said, a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. I came to OA, it's, it's been over 38 and a half years ago. And the one thing I can say for OA is I, I did struggle my first 12 years. I always felt hope. From the moment I came, I felt hope. I'm, I'm not sure why that was, but I just felt hope. And... Um, I always used to, I, I would think about Roseanne's story, and, and she said something like, if you continue to bring your body to the truth, when you're ready, the truth is there waiting for you. And I kept thinking, well, I'm going to be here. I kept thinking something was going to happen, and I knew it wouldn't happen if I wasn't there. So I, I just kept coming. And so, and, and then I was I was thinking about the, when it was talking about a new light, oh, in my book, that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic is underlined in green because I was told by my uh, big book guide to underline uh, the hope, the things that were hopeful. And um, so I was thinking about Bill's story where it talks about how it's always darkest before the dawn. And that is that was my experience. It was It was so black and I had no idea that everything was about to change. So um, anyway, I think that's all I want to say, but just that OA has brought me so much hope, and and what I thought hap- would happen did happen because I was there for it to happen, and I, you know, I just prayed for the willingness, you know, and I, I, um, I guess I would just say to anybody who's struggling and who's been struggling mighty, mightily um you know just you know keep coming back and hang in there on it because you know i i don't know i it's some, it it happened the miracle happened and i'm so grateful and thank you for letting me give service thank you martha z who would like to comment on paragraph 2 paula d paula anybody else Hey, it's Naomi. Could I share? Sharon H. And Sharon. Okay. Let's go with that. Paula D., Naomi B., and Sharon H. See where that leaves us. Thanks. Good morning, Paula. 
And good morning, Melanie, and thank you for your service today, this fine Tuesday. You know, my name is Paula D. I am a compulsive overeater recovered by and with the grace of God. We come here, and I'd like to scoot on down to these last few sentences also. By the late 1937, knowing full well that this is almost a whole year that had followed, the number of members having substantial sobriety. Can I, can I camp out at that word, so substantial? Whoa. That means real. Solid, strong. You know, we lived often, how many of us, all of us, before that beautiful state of recovery and being recovered, and page 30, obsession, illusion, delusion. Not real. But this is what it says here, substantial sobriety. Time, oh, and there that word, behind them, was sufficient. It was enough. It was enough to convince the membership that a new, not known before, they knew other beginnings. We both, we all did until we came here. A new light, not known before, had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. We lived in that world. Nobody has to tell you about that world. Oh, yeah, maybe your circumstances were different, but I can identify with you on every mental twist and turn. As I read this, I live in that light. That light is for all. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Naomi B. Okay, thank you. Good morning. This is this is Naomi B. A grateful compulsive overeater, recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Thank you for your service, Melanie, and thank you for my fellow visionaries. Yes, 31 days and counting, but okay. A new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholics. That is such an understatement. It was like just living in a cave my entire life because I was shackled to the refrigerator and shackled to the bags and boxes. And I really didn't know what I didn't know. And this has been such a transforming, transforming thing in my life that it's just a miracle. The miracle happened. I just want to scoot back up a little bit. It was previously said about the other paragraphs. I know when I have the honor of uh, taking people through the steps, I I got it in my head early on that I am a, I am a guide through the book. Uh, there. Recovery is not contingent on me. It's contingent on their higher power. So if for some reason they choose not to continue with me or they relapse, I can't take it personal because as a recovered compulsive overeater and compulsive person, I take everything to heart that's all my fault. But I have that new light, and I can only share the word that was so freely and generously given to me by my precious, precious guide, and I have a, I still have a precious guide to this day that we do steps 10, 11, and 12 that I'm so thankful for. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. Sharon H. 
Good morning, Melanie, and good morning to everyone out on the line. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Thank you, God. And I, too, am just going to drill down here. Uh, By late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. And that just reminded me so uh, clearly of what happened to me in July of 2012 when I began listening to this program and we were in uh, these early pages here and I was one that had uh, struggled for years. I could get abstinent but I could not stay abstinent and I had pretty much determined that's just the way life would be for me. And um, I began listening and All I can say is there was this new light that shone in my dark world, my dark mind, and all the old belief systems that I thought were true and were not. And I did grasp onto this big book and followed the directions and did exactly what the big book tells us to do and that that will give us the recovery and the ability to stay recovered. So I'm so grateful to be on the line today and what everyone has shared. Uh, I was one of those failures, you know, over and over again. And yet um, going through this gave me that gift of uh, sobriety, solid, substantial, like Paula D. just shared. And I am so grateful to be a part of this OA Vision for You meeting line. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon H. We do have time for one more share. Did anyone want to take that? This is Janice. Hi, Janice. You want, yeah. want that yeah. sign? Oh, great. Yeah, Thank I'll you. Finish it up. Um, yeah, I'm just going to repeat that uh, by 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety, I think it was 40 that were recovered at that time, and um, I think that's what caught on. See, that, that's what, what, what was attractive was the recovery. And I love the, me- the, the fact that the membership, that a new light, what was that new light? Well, first of all, I was in the dark when I was eating. I didn't have the new light. First of all, I didn't even know what my, my problem was. And nothing, but nothing grows in the dark. And um, so I come out of the dark, you know, came into the light. And through the light was, of course, you know, that switch went on. Through the steps, I found that power. And that was the new light, the power to bring me to recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. And thank you to everyone that shared today. Appreciate that very much. And please join us for a second hour that's unrecorded of study that's going to immediately follow announcements today. We'll now close the meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Janice M., would you read that for us, please? Janice M., are you available to read page 164? that our book is meant to be suggestive only we realize we know only a little god will constantly disclose more to you and to us ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick 
The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.